Hi, I'm Sarah Fisk, Life Coach with Microbe Formulas. This series will cover mental health. If you struggle with mental health issues, please be aware that listening to this episode could be a trigger for you. Please contact your mental health provider if you're in need of mental health support. Thanks for listening. A podcast about life. I mean, that's a struggle, I think, with every single day. Are we good enough? Everything it can throw at you. The only person that can make us happy is ourselves. Real people talking about life's real issues. Oh, yeah, there you go. This is Intentionally (laughs) Disruptive with Shonda McNeil. All right, it's a brand new month and a brand new series. This series this month is called No Perfect People Allowed. We're talking all things mental health, mental health awareness month coming up next month. We're going to talk to guests that struggle with PTSD, depression, imposter syndrome. But first up, we're talking anxiety. This is episode number one of the No Perfect People Allowed. And we're calling this episode Dear Anxiety. It's me, Dylan. I feel bad leaving, like putting you in your name into this because I feel like, I mean, we're looking at each other. I am the most anxious human being on the face of the planet. So this is like something that affects my life every single day, every second of the day. Yeah, it should be you just interviewing yourself. Right, or you, yeah. Or, or uh, me interviewing you. Or we is interviewing each other, I feel. Sure, I mean, we can take that route for sure. The clear definition of anxiety, I looked this up, by the way, for the <laughs> podcast, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Yeah. It's basically, anxiety is basically just your brain's version of fake news. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, you see you see it and you freak out and you're like, this could happen. This is going to happen. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And then the spiral begins. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it'll sometimes take you into like a pretty dark, depressive state, you know? Um, I think it was you that said that you know, we were talking about Dave, um, your husband, and you were, I was like, man, I feel like I also deal with depression. And you're like, well, those two things go hand in hand. They're Absolutely. like best friends. So yeah, they are. Anxiety is kind of the kickstart for a really dark place, I think, for a lot of people. Mine was weird because mine started with ADHD and, and anxiety. I think both of those. But the ADHD ramped up the anxiety. The anxiety then led to my depression. Wow. Yeah. So it's like it's just like those three things kind of go hand and hand and another hand. Yeah, three hands. <laughs> three three hands. Yeah. Three baby hands. Yeah, so um your definition was like basically like an excessive worry. Yeah, all the time. I mean, like I I wake up every single morning and I am like my biggest fear, my worst fear is just like getting up out of bed every day. Like that that's what I deal with every single day. And Dylan, I know you and I talk about this whenever we both get into work, we're like, man, I mean, it's, it's tough. Just getting up out of bed is like, what's going to happen today? Oh my gosh. Yeah. What is going to happen today? Yeah. And for me, I, I was, I started what they, my doctor put me on, well, Butrin, um, what, like eight, six, eight years ago, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. Maybe it could have been longer. I was on it for a long time and, um, I haven't had, I've been off medication for about a year, but um, the medication side of things for me, the Wellbutrin helped like dramatically. Oh my, it was like night and day. And I, it, I noticed the the difference being on medication right away. Uh, probably within like two, three weeks, it was like, okay, I'm good. I'm in a good place. Um, but now being off of medication, I'm about as raw as it, as, as it, as it goes. I mean, I'm, 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 this is, this is who I am 1000%. Yeah. But I also know, and you and I both know working for a wellness company that, 
Um, I mean, and I'm not saying this because my boss would be listening and I'm not saying this for um, any type of endorsement or anything like that. Um, our products for the wellness company we work for have changed my life because it starts with your gut as well. Absolutely. So like I may have been genetically wired to have anxiety, but the my terrible, my poor gut health just ramped it up. And since being on like our micro formulas products, I, like my anxiety has minimum, it's been, it's not as extreme yeah. to where the point where I don't even take, take prescription medication anymore. Well, it's like, it's like 70% of serotonin is produced in the gut. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. if you have poor Look gut. Look at you dropping knowledge. Yeah. No, I mean, if you, if you <laughs> have, drop. if you have, I mean, if you have poor gut health, I mean, obviously with serotonin, you know, because people, one of the most common antidepressants that people take are called SSRIs, right? Yeah. Which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. And what that does is that ultimately gives you more serotonin than your brain is used to in the synapse, right? But, like, if you really look at the core problem, like you said, you know, addressing that gut health problem, um, you know, boosting it by a lot, you know, again, oh, yeah. 70% is a huge deal. Oh, and I have my gut health so wound tight, like just healthy. Yeah. Um, again, because the products that I use and the supplements I use um, that I I don't even have to take prescription medication. That's been about you know, a little over a year now, I think, yeah. is for me. And it's completely changed my life. However, I'm still amped up. I mean, I'm still uh, about as anxious as you can get. Sure. But it's not to the point where I need to be medicated anymore. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, today, um, I'm going to get choked up even like just talking about it, but I almost canceled this episode. I, I didn't, I didn't even want to like, I woke up this morning and I'm like, I, I had a struggling to get out of bed. I was struggling to, um, face the day basically. And the first thing that I read when I woke up was your post last night. Mm. I think you posted it and I, I, I wish, can we read it? Yeah. Do you feel like reading it? I mean, sure. It's, it's. I mean, it's basically just kind of like I I had a pretty rough night myself. So, you know, I'm feeling okay today. I mean, that's that's sort of the issue is that it kind of punches you when it feels like it. But yeah, no, it was just, I don't know, just some thoughts I wanted to put out there. I, I was, I was going to type something out and delete it. That's kind of what I normally do where I write stuff down. But um, I don't know. It, it just, it felt like something that some of my close friends needed to hear I, I can't really explain I just had this weird feeling that there was someone that could benefit from someone else's hardship I guess you would say so it helped me I felt every ounce of it this morning sure I, I, th I feel like we should read it yeah do you want to read I, I, I want you to read it in your words I yeah don't, I don't, no I don't, I'm, I'm happy to read it sure you want yeah. to pull it up yeah so basically what I wrote last night was uh I try hard to smile at those who face me, I try hard to provide words of validation and love to those that need them. I try to put on the appearance of someone that always has a valuable perspective. I try hard to love myself. I try hard to feel worthwhile. The truth is, just like you, most days I'm completely lost. I struggle to get out of bed and get myself out my front door each morning. I struggle, I struggle to connect with the world around me because of how upside down I feel compared to everyone else. I struggle to pause at specific points in the day to pat myself on the back and remind myself how proud I should feel and how well I'm doing despite everything previously mentioned. I meet personal injections of self-hatred and degrading tendencies. I meet regular disassociation and feel as if reality isn't all that real. 
I face intense waves of grief and reasonless sorrow. I meet assumptions that everyone around me hates me at all times. I meet suicidal ideations and often use them as a coping mechanism for the absolute exhaustion I feel. Despite this, I will continue to try hard to smile at those who face me. I will continue to try hard to provide words of validation and love for those that need them. I will continue to try hard to put on the appearance of someone that always has a valuable perspective. I will continue to try hard to love myself. I will continue to try hard to feel worthwhile. And basically all I said was, I'm mentally ill. I've always been, and to some degree I always will be. To those that feel alone in their emotional sand trap, you're not. People like you walk among you. They pass you on the sidewalk. They share traffic with you. And they stay awake at night battling the concept of trying to, or sorry, battling the concept of trying the next day again as I'm, I'm in tears like just like just like you reading it and me reading it this morning that post is what got me out of bed this morning because it's like it's just trying just trying to be hard just trying so hard to get up and just face the day and i like right. this is so why i'm crying this is exactly why i was like i'm i'm canceling the recording today i'm canceling i have we have a bunch of podcast recordings um throughout the day today and i just I thought, man, should I go in there like this? But I'm like, yes, absolutely, because this is how I'm feeling. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so sick of pretending. I always, I always say that I'm so sick of putting this happy face on, that everything's okay and it's not. You know. Right. And so when I got into the office this morning, and I see you standing outside, what I do? I mean, I instantly just, cr- I just start crying. I'm like, oh God, your post helped me so much this morning. And I just appreciate you. I appreciate you. And I'm glad it did, you know, and kind of like what I was saying earlier was, you know, you very well could have canceled this. But I think I think that this topic alone, I don't know, it's it's going to be more impactful and it's going to go a lot further considering the fact that, you know, you do have that cut today. You know, yeah. like, I mean, realistically, what this podcast does is it, you know, it 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 sort of like it disassembles like people's perspectives, their issues, their feelings. Um, and I mean, you yourself try to put your shoes in your, or yourself in the shoes of your guests. Right. And I think that, I think that if you did an episode like, you know, dear anxiety, knowing you like I do and knowing that you have anxiety, um, I just don't think this would have been as meaningful to the people that need to hear it. If you were, putting on that face you're talking about, right? Well, one thing I've, I've, I've realized doing this podcast, and we're only, what, this is only the fourth series we've done, and what I realized, you know, coming from the radio industry and pretending a lot of the time, I mean, Dylan, you, you're in here, you're, you engineer most of our, our podcast recordings, and you've worked in radio and things like that. I felt like over time I've almost um, covered up a lot of who I am because I was afraid of what people would think for one two people don't want to hear these things they don't want to hear these deep feelings and emotions and and the bad days everything has to be good you have to put this happy face you know face on to face the world and over time that's going to eat you alive and it has that's what that's exactly what it's done to me and um I don't know I just feel like even starting this podcast I felt like I started out at the beginning being super open and raw but what I've noticed like even like when we did our series two and three when I'm listening back and I'm obviously eating myself alive and and so hard on myself but I'm realizing that I'm kind of inserting my old radio habits 
Sure. You know what I mean? Like yeah. inserting those radio habits of pretending like everything's okay. Everything has to be super scripted and everything has to be super, has to flow well and everything has to be this certain way. And I don't want to do that with this project. I don't want to do that with this podcast. That's not what it's all about. It's about connection and and connecting with you being in here with me and sure. connecting with people listening and us being able to help people. That's what the podcast is all about. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm having one of those days where I don't want to pretend. I don't want it to, I don't know. I just, well, I, you, don't want to, I don't want to pretend anymore. Yeah. No. And I, I know, I know you'll probably shake it out of me in like three more months when we're sitting in here in the studio and yeah. you're engineering going, Shonda, you're doing it again. You're doing it again. You're pretending like everything's okay. And well, that's giving a nudge. That's sort of, you know, like you said, I, you know, I have a background in radio as well. And, Radio is very informative and it's very logical. It's very entertaining, right? Um, those three things don't mesh well with real human connection. They don't. So you have you have a structure of let's say a segment or an episode or whatever. You know, you're on the air. Um, you know, you have these cues. You know, you have spots that need to be played, and then you have you know whatever else you're doing you know it's, you're, it's basically you're, formatted for you it, it, that's that's it, the word it's it's a format yes and feelings aren't formatted they're not they're not so and, and to say and for somebody to say you have two minutes you have two minutes right legit and you're in the program it'll say talking time two minutes it's all you got to be in and out yeah how can you come how could you do that in two minutes you can't you no, can't you can't and and I, I don't know, you know, that that's why this podcast is so different, you know, and you're right, I probably will shake it out of you if I notice that. Because Absolutely. This is this is real. You know, it's it like is. it's I mean, I I've talked to you a million times. You know, prior, that's some deep conversations. We've yeah. talked a lot, you know, yeah. prior to us sitting down now. And we wouldn't have had the bond that we had if I got Shonda McNeil, you know, like that wouldn't have happened. And you know, it's you know? Funny, I've never been that way. I've always been. I'm, I, now I've been with people on the radio who have, I, I think, but I've never, I've always gotten into trouble with talking about feelings or trying to insert them and not so much me sharing my feelings, but getting other people to share theirs. Like we're running out of time. You know, I don't know. I, I just, that could be why my radio career ended the way it did because I just, I didn't, I couldn't agree with how it was set up. Maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, like... I have pretended like everything's okay. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. You know, corporate settings are at times calloused, right? You're almost like... It's like the you're, you're the bottom of this foot. Yeah. And you can you can traverse through these rough terrains, right? You, you know, stresses and whatever your job throws at you. But the moment you start stripping that away and get rid of those calluses every sensation is amplified. Yeah, so absolutely. So when you're when you're yes. when you're like working in radio for example or whatever job you have and that callus gets removed, what you end up with is you end up with discomfort because everything hurts. Yeah. Everything hurts. Yeah. You know, you're kind of uh when you're putting yourself out there too. You are. And and the real you exists in a world that doesn't welcome that. Yeah. And absolutely. that's And you have to play it safe. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard. You know, absolutely. a lot of people don't a lot of people don't connect you know, and, and there's varied reasons. You know, you mentioned earlier to me when we had our conversation that um, a lot of people aren't willing to talk about these things or a lot of people are avoiding these things on purpose. You know, a, a reality as well is that there are like stages to it all. Yeah. And, and stage one, in my opinion, is blaming everything. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't go inside and car- compartmentalize and work on things if you are 
shifting blame to everything, whether it be your living space, your job, your relationship, your friendships, whatever the case might be. And some people just aren't past that stage. Everyone is playing the blame game. Everyone is yelling at one another. So for us to sit here and talk about accountability and talk about how we feel outside of the world that got the ball rolling in terms of anxiety, um, people don't, re- it doesn't resonate for a lot of people because they're just not there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, give it time and then you're going to have a whole new wave of people that are figuring it out. But the current people that don't have it figured out, we can only hope that at some point they will have it figured out. Right. Yeah. I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. But that's, that's the, the thing with me is that I allowed the outside world to bottle me up mm-hmm. and there it's kind of blaming, right? Sure. That's kind of blaming a little bit, but I allowed it to happen. So even though that was the cause, because I felt like, okay, every time I express something, I'm told not to. So let's shut, let's pull, let's put that away. And then over time, what does that do? That you, you explode, right? Absolutely. You explode. And so I allowed the outside world to make me so-called safe. That's a word that I use. Like, like you're safe. You're safe. Like, okay, we could, we could have you do, whether it be a radio show, we could have you do a TV show or be the face of this because you're safe. We know you're not going to get out of control. You're not going to have too many feelings. You're black and white, your logic. Well, what that has done to me over time, I'm chronically ill. I suffer. I'm, I'm 38 years old and I'm legit science shows I have a body of an 87 year old. My body is so crippled with chronic illness and I've had to see a therapist since I was 15 years old to, to figure out how to navigate this. And this is what's happened to me. And here I am. I would never in a million f- years cry my face off on on any radio show that I've, I've, I've done radio for 20 years, never would I, what happened this, today happen on a normal day for me. But now I'm at the point, I'm at my breaking point and I, I'm just not do I'm not hiding it anymore. And like I said, you're going to be in here with me recording these episodes. Most of the time you are. And if you see me getting back into radio mode, that everything's okay. Punch me in the face. I will not, slam my fist. Yes. And slam. My, you know, and I want to do whatever you need to do. I want to be clear about something. You know, when I talk about, you know, us being accountable. Um, I'm mainly referring to people that have mood disorders or people that have, um, you know, hormonal imbalances, right? You know, we're talking about like serotonin and then we're talking about norepinephrine. If people have like, you know, an an offset of a certain hormone, um, that is a point where you need to look within because you spend so much time fixing everything in your life and you end up with just you and no matter what you do, you still feel like shit, Yep. Right? You're exactly right. And yeah. going back to what you said, I mean, we, you mentioned this to me earlier as well. You know, you're hitting a breaking point, I feel, because you never broke down. I never broke down. You're right. You, you, you tried to stay calloused as long as you could, and now the skin's cracking, mm-hmm. right? And that's a good thing because- That's when you heal. That is when- Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. That's exactly yeah. right. You know, and you get to a point where- um, you become wise and you become intuitive and you become empathetic and all these things that people really need in others. Right. Mm. And as much as it sucks, like it's good. It's good because you know, you're, you're already a wonderful person, but I can't even imagine where you're going to be when you heal. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. And it's weird because I have broken down, you know, like we talk about my husband, Dave and my, my husband is like the greatest human ever. And 
um, you know, we've had our issues and things like that. We've helped each other through our breaking points, but we, I have broken, I have broken down with him. I'm at my rawest form with him. Okay. So this is not even close to the worst. I've, I've cracked. I haven't went off on some type of binge and like did some like, you know, terrible things to, you know, to run away from my issues. I don't, you know, I've never done drugs or anything like that, or I've never done, I've never hit that point. But I have broke down and I have put in the work in myself. However, I have a tendency to close it back up. Does that make sense? It's almost like I open up and then I'll close back up. I'll open up and those, those times that I'm open are not very long. Scary. It's scary. But I feel like I can't exist that way because you're right. So this is what I tell myself. The thing is, if I see somebody else doing it, if I see somebody else doing it, I will know exactly how to break that down, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I know what they're feeling. I know, I know where they're at. But me, when I'm going through it, I'll open up and then I feel like, okay, well, I have to get my shit together to continue on with life. So this could, I'll take, I'll just take this to my therapist next week or whatever, you know, we'll, t- we'll dissect it or I'll process it alone. You know, I, I meditate every day. Um, but I still, I have hit my breaking point. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I have been there. Just a lot of people don't see it. it just you know, no, like you my, you my hide. Inter- you hide. Yeah, absolutely. I you hide from the outside I've, world. I found you. Yeah, yeah, you have found me. <laughs> you know, I walk yeah. into a room and Sean is in a corner, just losing it, and I'm just like, "Hey, dog." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> and you're the most um, intuitive person I know. Like, I mean, you like you pick up on energies, and you are like, "What's going on?" Like, you will you could point it out, you could sniff it out in a second, and you've absolutely sniffed me out. Sniff, sniff. Yeah, like, sometimes totally. you stink. I stink. Yeah. <laughs> I stink of closed up. Yeah, I'm you, all closed up. But, you know, um, I, I, I really value you and Dave, like, a lot. Um, fun fact for those that, you know, I'm sure they've heard Dave. You know, and yeah, Dave, is, yeah. Dave, Dave. He'll be on the next episode of this, yeah, by the way, I mean, talking about depression. It, you know, Dave has, been, um, Dave has been a huge part of my life, and I don't think he realizes it. Um you know, a lot like Shonda, I also break down quite a bit, you know, and I do it in secret, you know, and, and Dave being me in 10 years sniffs me out. Yeah. You know, he, like I'll be walking by and he can just tell and yeah. he'll be like, hey, dude, come here for a second. And he'll shut the door and he'll ask me the worst thing you can ask me. How are you doing? Yep. That is the worst thing you can ask me because I will lose my mind. Yep. So Dave is, in my opinion one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And I mean that because, yeah. you know, you know when, when you face anxiety and depression, you tend to generalize. And one of my generalizations is, is that people suck. You know, that's something that I struggle with every single day. And when I want to remember that there are good people in the world, like, n- you know, not to like, he is my boss and everything, but uh, I remember Dave because it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it breaks me out of that. It's like, People are terrible. People let you down. People hurt you. People disappoint you. And I don't identify with anyone. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember Dave because, but going back to my point with you and Dave, um, I don't know, you know, it it, it seems to me like your guys' relationship has grown immensely since you have broken down. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is, him and I were at the same place. We both pretended like everything was okay. We both were, I mean, for like a long time. For a long time, we both pretended like everything was okay. Right. And now I'm, 
and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like a. I, I don't know. I, I don't even want to even probably even dive into that. But like the whole gender thing, I feel like women because we talked about this before the podcast today. Logic and emotions. Logic and emotions. You yeah. know, like I I feel like I have even though I'm not into gender roles. I told you like if I was born any earlier than 1982, I never I would not have survived. You would have been burned roles. as a witch. I would have bur- I've been burned as a witch. <laughs> yeah. And I would have been I would have been a miserable life for me because I absolutely can. I'm all about equality and um, everybody being treated equally and so um, you know I just I don't know if it is one of those things where women are just expected to keep their shit together I mean I grew up my parents that's how that's how it was with my family you know I watched that generation after generation but I think I just naturally consumed that and without realizing it that maybe I have to be the more emotionally controlled one but also you sound like most men you no seriously. No, I know. You sound like most men. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. And then you know, I I conclude the um, the obviously the toxic childhood that I had, and can connect that with being a woman. I think I just um, I don't know. It's just a, it was it's a cesspool of disaster. Basically, is what it is. It's just a, a just a messed up, toxic way of living. Yeah. You know, I did that. That's just I, there's another way to describe it. Well, you know, going, <laughs> sorry, I'm repeating myself so much here, but um, I think the whole premise of opposites attract is complete bullshit. I, I firmly believe yeah, that. We talked, to, we had a long conversation out in the parking lot. Seriously. Yeah, there's some merit to, I mean, like, let's say that, okay, like my ex girlfriend, you know, and I won't get too much into that, she got me into hiking, and that wasn't something that I was normally into. Mm-hmm. That's rad. That's not necessarily the opposite. That's just something new, right? And there's value in that. You can find really cool hobbies, interests, in in different types of people. But, you know, there are (laughs) – I think the the societal stapled relationship is someone that's logical and someone that's emotional, and I hate that. Mm -hmm. I hate that. You know, I was – a large, you know, my biggest hero in my life was my mother, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I, I heard, you know, Carly sitting in here. Or Kaylee. Kaylee. Oh, my gosh, I messed up her name. Carly. Uh, Kaylee. Kaylee was sitting in here, and, you know, uh, they did an episode, and they all talked about their their parents. Oh, right? Yeah, because you were engineering that episode, yeah. and you and I were kind of sitting there like, okay, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, is my mom was very, she was emotionally intelligent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is... Um, she felt so often that she knew what to expect and what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, and I also hate gender roles. I hate it. You yeah. know, I, I don't fit the standard of any man you'll meet, right? I'm like the least manly dude on the planet. I'm not aggressive. You know, and, and again, this is like stereotypical, right? I'm not aggressive. Um, I cry a lot. I feel I, you know, isolate in my bedroom, you know, like the movie Click makes me cry. Oh, gosh. I cry. I do, too. I cry at every, you know, you know, the movie Where the Wild Things Are. Yes. I cried on that movie, too. Right. No, totally. So the thing is, is like my mom was emotionally intelligent. She instilled that in me. And my dad was the exact opposite. My dad was like, rub dirt on it. Get up. Stop being a baby. And, And something that I really admire in people is emotional intelligence. And what I think is, is I think that sometimes when you have a logical person and someone that's emotionally intelligent, sometimes the person that's emotional is trapped in a house fire and the logical person 
rather than pulling them out of it, they're explaining how the house caught fire. Uh-huh. And that sucks. And it's just not validating the other person's feelings. It's not validating. Yeah. It's not helping. No. It's like, hey, Shonda, uh, let me tell you 10 reasons why you feel like garbage today. Yeah, and you just want to say, f*** you. But at the yeah. end of that conversation, you still feel like garbage. Yeah, and, and probably I'm, even worse. I would say so. Yeah, probably worse. So it's, yeah. it's again, I think you and Dave have gotten to the point where you guys can pull each other out. Yeah, oh, and absolutely. Learn, and, and later learn why the house caught fire. Yeah. Because you can look at it burned to the ground, right? But in the midst of it, you're burning alive or he's burning alive, and you guys can just rip each other out. And I think that's, I think that's why you guys work so well is because yeah. you have – <laughs> you have stripped away that callus we were talking about earlier, yeah. and now you are feeling in its rawest form. And Dave is the exact same way. Yeah, right. And Dave's feelings, and you know, with Dave, his feelings are all his feelings, and nobody else could feel. That's that was the that was our biggest problem. Was if I would ever feel again, I they say you you marry someone who is like like your parent. You basically marry your parent for the most part. And if I would feel, my mom would shut it down. And so, but when she would feel, that would be okay. I always tell Dave I married my mom, kind of in a way, because if he would feel, it would be okay. If I were to feel, he'd shut it down. So I married my comfort zone without realizing it at the time. This is all the work, again, being put into this is like figuring, figuring out our dynamic and working on it and going from, you know, these toxic behaviors into where we are today. But that's what I did. So again, I was not only in a in a profession that was calloused, all right, I had to be callous, but in my marriage for the first 10 years was the same thing. Wow. It was okay for you to feel, but if I feel, that's not what I'm ready for because you need to hear what I'm, what I'm feeling. And so I, and I felt that that was normal because that's what, how I grew up. Sure. So when Dave and I hit our breaking point, and he didn't know what he was doing, you see what I'm saying? We didn't know. We just didn't know because like you said, you have to hit that moment where you're like, oh, shit. You know, we're, we're broken and we need to put it back together or go our separate ways. And that's kind of what happened. It was like, wait a minute, this isn't right. So we put the work in therapy, found a good therapist and did the work separately, too, because then you don't want to have that codependency issue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. really easy to fall into that trap. But that's what I did. I married my comfort zone because Dave and I have been together since I was, what, 19? Yeah. We've been together for a long time. And you're together that young. You're already setting yourself up for failure, you know? And so I... That's just kind of how it continued on until we hit rock bottom and had to either say we're separating or we're or we're going to work on this. And we had so much love for each other and so much there that that it was wasn't worth walking away. It just wasn't. There was there's this one tiny thing and we just had toxic behavior. So we had to fix, you know, on both ends. You guys are you guys are a, a Marvel couple. Marvel couple. It's pretty and cool. It's pretty cool. I told you. So it's Dear Anxiety, it's me, Dylan, and we've talked about nothing that involves <laughs> Dylan and the anxiety. But I, I don't, again, I don't want it to be focused on you and me just sitting back in the cut, like whatever, you know, like I don't have any issues and I'm crying within seconds of the recording. You know what I mean? That's not fair. And I, and I don't want to do that. So um, yeah, with, come come listen to Dylan's episode where Dylan talks about some of his hardest moments and Shonda cries. But but you, but you know what? <laughs> but listen, I think you, how old are you? Uh, I am twenty nine. Twenty nine years old, and you. I, I'm going to be honest. Like, so your post this morning got me out of bed. Okay, I thank you for that. You and I have had some very serious conversations. Mm. If if it weren't you sitting in that chair right now, I probably would have canceled because. 
I know that I could be completely myself with you. I know that I could be completely raw and real. And that's what you're saying. It's you're saying earlier, like, you know, people don't connect with generic. People don't connect with the robotic. People don't connect with the ones who haven't broke yet because everybody hit, everybody breaks, but you did exactly, you're doing to, for me, exactly what we were talking about earlier. You're giving me that comfort of us sitting down, having a conversation and connecting on a deeper level yeah. and not just like, Hey, how's it going? Okay. Well, hmm, okay. And you only say like four or five words while you, while you share your story. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. I just no, yeah, it's, kinda it's had a moment today, I guess. No, it's, it's, it's cathartic. It you know, really is. it is, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, when we walk out of here, well, I mean, we're not walking out of here. We're working late today, but we are working late. when this, when this wraps up, I think you and I will, at least for today, feel a little bit better. Right. I, th- I felt better talking to you in the parking lot. We had a pre kind of a pre interview, <laughs> pre gaming in the parking a pre, lot, a pre game interview, but you're 29 years old and you're one of the most, you're, you're so wise. And wow. I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I know you look away. You don't like hearing praise. I get that because I'm right there with you. I can't stand it. I just want to run out of a room and find the highest cliff and jump off of it. I can't handle it. Sure. But you are so wise. I mean, you're wise beyond your years. Oh, I mean, here I am you. 38 years old. I'm like, Dylan, <laughs> I know you're talking about your anxiety, but what the hell's going on with me today? Come on. Well, to an extent, I mean, that's also a mask, right? Because like yeah. I come in and I pretend. Yeah. I pretend to we be all okay. pretend. You know, yeah. so I appreciate you breaking down because that kind of like fosters an environment where that's okay. And it is okay. Mm-hmm. It is okay. I don't care. You know, it, it's so funny because we, I feel like we, in particular you and I, and even, you know, a couple of my coworkers as well, I feel like they, we all kind of lose our mind at work yeah. more than anywhere else. It, and, and, you know, you think about it, you spend one third of your life working. Right. Yeah. For yeah. us, sometimes more. Right. One third of your life working, one third of your life sleeping and the other third, who knows what, you know, maybe sitting on the couch, watching TV, scrolling through social media, whatever the case might be. Or so, find ourselves thinking about work. That's that's accurate. That's that's accurate for me. I yeah, know. yeah, totally. So, Absolutely. I mean, it's it's understandable that you're going to you're going to strip down at work, you know, yeah. like you're going to lose it sometimes. So I appreciate coming to work and I don't like seeing you sad, but it's you're you're helping create a world where you and I can exist. Yeah. And I think that's important to talk about. And something that I've been running away from. Yeah. Like doing like I'm just like I can't I can't deal with feelings right now. I can't I can't deal with that. I gotta I gotta run away from it. So you're like you're like the first person on the dance floor. Yeah, right. It's a little embarrassing at first, but eventually people <sighs> will join in. I don't get embarrassed <laughs> on the dance floor. The dance floors are kind of like my place. I, 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 I thrive on the dance floor. No, I'll throw up on the dance floor. Oh. <laughs> I'll crap yeah, my I, pants on the dance floor. Like my worst nightmare is stand up and tell us something about yourself. I'd rather I will run. If anybody ever does that to me, I could dance and I'll like sing karaoke, something like that. But if you have me stand up in front of a, a, a room of like, you know, 20 people and say, tell us something about yourself. I got to go. Yeah. I got to poop. I got to do something. I got to get out of here. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's no I was way. That, I was that guy at dances that like stood off in the dark wall against the dark wall and I would like sway back and forth. You know those <laughs> awkward people that are waiting to be asked to dance? Yes. That was me. <laughs> you know, I would pretend like I had a dance move. I would like sway from left to right. But what would happen is <laughs> I was weird. I was weird in school, you know, like everyone, you know, because like most of my interests and hobbies are considered cool as an adult. You know, my mom always told me that. She's like, Dylan, one day you're going to be cool, right? Yeah. And, you know, now, like, 
I can't imagine you not being cool. Dude, you know, in school, being huge into horror films and art house films and anime and all these different things, like, those things weren't cool, right? I mean, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, I don't know, going to lookout point and making out with a hot chick. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting at- You I'm had a lookout point in your neighborhood? Everybody has a lookout dude, point. Dude, everyone has a lookout point. Lookout you just point. drive up to the hills and you, you, smooch, on, you smooch on someone you like. I, but, ours was the Hannah Lane turnaround. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it was a turnaround. We didn't have a hill. But, we weren't looking out on anything besides a cornfield. But I'd like sit at home and not kiss girls. <laughs> <laughs> what did you practice kissing? I practiced on a John Stamos poster. Yo, the first time I kissed actually was one of the worst experiences of my life. What, you're practice kissing? Or well, I never practiced. You never practiced? No, because like... Why not? I don't know, man. Like, my John Stamos post- poster was, it was messed up. It was like a big wet, like this gross hole. I, I was like, I gotta lick it, you know? I, you're, you licking, gotta lick the Stamos. You gotta lick the Stamos yeah. so it was paper. So what happens whenever you lick paper? It sticks together. It's it sticks together. You it's all stuck crumpled. to the Stamos. Yeah, Stamos had like a run-on face because like the sticky ink, Stamos. Yes. Yeah. It was gross, but that's what I practiced <laughs> on. It was weird. And then my Jordan Knight from New Kids on the Block. It oh, was a canvas poster though. So I mean, well, I think I was a late bloomer because I I. I don't know. I thought girls were pretty from afar. You know, yeah. I was like, yeah, that girl's pretty, but yeah, I'm not going to talk to her. You know, and then like my first kiss, I threw up. Oh, I legitimately threw up. It was the her, worst. In her mouth? No, 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 no. Thank God. <laughs> no, so I, there was this cute girl that I asked to the movies. How old were you? Um, I don't know, probably 15, 14. I think I was 14 when I kissed my first girl. Not my first girl, but my a first girl. girl. <laughs> she wasn't mine. I didn't know yeah. her. But uh, no, like I went to the movies with this girl and uh, afterwards her mom was coming to pick her up. So we had a few minutes to talk and I just freaking went for it, man. And her breath was gnarly. Oh, no. She had no how did you not know if it was that gnarly? I don't know. I didn't smell it beforehand. You know, it, you, well, if it's that gnarly and you I threw up sm- afterwards. Yeah, I didn't smell it on the wind up, oh. you know. <laughs> but like the thing was, was like, oh, God. I, I was like sick. licking. It was like licking a septic tank. <laughs> you know. So as soon as her, I, I like held it in as long as I could. And as long as soon as her mom picked her up, I just ralphed everywhere. <laughs> you told in your vomit? Yeah, you I vomited. Know? Oh, and I swore off kissing. Oh, I was like, I'm never kissing again. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, I'm gonna be sick. You know, we're gonna go over some pretty traumatic things. That might be the topper for me. You know, my my parents doing substance. You know, bouncing from house to house. I think kissing the girl with the bad breath is probably the worst thing you ever. That's probably why I'm so messed up. Because of the septic tank mouth. The septic tank mouth. Oh, the inside God. of a septic tank. I think you've messed me up just yeah. listening to it. It sounds terrible. Sorry, guys. That's not in context to anything we're talking about. <laughs> let's but. dive into So we're, we're talking about anxiety. Let's, <laughs> yep. just, let's just dive into it. And I want to, before, I, I, I probably should put this at the beginning. I know we had a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode with our health coach, our life coach, Sarah Fisk. Um, but we're not professionals. We're not. We're just talking about our experiences and what we've been through and what we're dealing with as just human beings. So um, I, we don't, I don't want you, anyone listening to this thinking that we're giving you advice on what works for you. We're not. We're just sharing our experience and what works for us. And then hopefully you get something out of it. If anything, you listen to the episode and you just 
you don't feel alone. You know, I think that's yeah. what we're trying to do. So again, um, it's always talk to your therapist or whoever you, who your go-to person is on guidance as far as what you should do personally, or just, you know, if you have something that works for you now, great, do that. But we're just here to share our experience. When did your anxiety start? You know, um, I have this feeling that I had it my whole life, but the, the moment that I really recognized it, I'd probably say around 13. Okay. You know, I identified it. Yeah. I had tendencies my whole life. Like I said, you know, I had like, you know, agitation and confusion and fear and all these things, but like it really, like I became aware, like I really started exploring my brain when I was like 13, I started thinking about it, you know, cause when you're young, you just kind of, you know, reality is reality and you just go with it. But then when you get old enough to start having like intricate thoughts, yeah, you're like, what is this? What does it mean? Yeah. So I, I'd say probably 13 maybe. Um, and do you think, so I, I guess this is where like the science gets involved. People are like, Oh, they're, they were just wired that way. They were just wired with anxiety. I know for me personally, from the moment I was, I entered the world, I was born into an anxious environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my, my household was just constant, constant drama and chaos yeah. from the moment I was born. Do you feel that that was kind of your situation too? I think about that a lot. Um, you know, the whole nature versus nurture yeah. thing. I don't, my, my childhood was very intense. Um, and I'm not sure if that caused it. I don't know. You know, I know my brother and sister both suffer from pretty intense, you know, mental illness as well. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, poor mental health, that kind of stuff. But I, I, I I think it had a lot to do with it, you know, kind of similar to you, you know, I was born into a very chaotic household. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So leading up to when you were kind of getting, I don't know, you were getting curious as to really what was happening. What were some of the things that you went through, you experienced as Um, a child? You know, like I come from, I come from a lot of substance abuse. Um, you know, my mom, my mom was a heroin addict my entire life. Right. And my dad was an alcoholic and it was when I was really young, my mom hadn't graduated to heroin yet, but she was addicted to pills. Her dad passed away and she sort of went off the deep end and got addicted to painkillers. Right. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really know why your mom is taking a nap you know, you're just like, oh, people nap or, you know, you don't know why your dad's not there, you know, because my dad, my dad was gone a lot, you know, and and he, he, it's not like for work, like my dad would just leave, right? And you don't know why you're just that that's just your normal, right? So I'd say, you know, one of the first like moments where I I knew something was wrong was, uh, you know, my, my mom OD'd. She overdosed when you were a child. When I was a child, yeah. my brother and I were at home, and my dad wasn't there, and my sister wasn't there, and my mom came home from work and went into the bathroom like addicts do, and didn't come out. And you know, we were banging on the door, screaming, 
you know, my brother and I were terrified. We're like, what is going on? Did she fall? Did she hit her head? And uh, we had to call an ambulance. And, you know, I saw my mom get taken out on a stretcher because she, oh she overdosed, right? Oh. And, I mean, that, that was sort of like, in my head, that's the top of the slide. Yeah. You know, like, for some people, it's hard to identify when things really start going wrong. And I know that that's, you know, it, there, there had been a lot leading up to that for my dad. But that's, like, sort of when I saw, like, our family is dysfunctional. Um, so that happened. And then uh, my dad left my mom. After the, after the overdose. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't help her or get her treatment. Because he was dealing with his own stuff, which you said he drank a lot. Yeah, my dad. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was as bad at that time. But I do know that my dad relied on alcohol to relax and... Mm -hmm deal with stress. And he, he left my mom, you know, I remember it perfectly. You know, my, my dad had bought this RV and it was this really exciting thing. Cause he was like, yeah, we're going to go camping and all this stuff. And he literally one night, just my mom was asleep. He just, I saw it happen. He just loaded up his stuff and he drove off and I didn't see didn't, him. He didn't say anything to you guys. No, I didn't see him for years. You know, oh, like wow. I saw, like I said, I saw him leave and you know, my mom didn't have a job at the time. She had lost her job. Mortgage starts to slip. I, you know, I know they filed for bankruptcy and like it was all this stuff. But ultimately what ended up happening was is that my mom got arrested. <laughs> and so the story goes, um, my mom and I were basically at home and my sister called my mom. Someone stole her bike or something. So my mom jumped up. And put me in the van, got in the van, and uh, she was really, really high. And we drove through someone's yard and oh crashed. Nearly took someone's house out. How old were you at the time? Um, five, oh I think. My. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and like years later, I would always joke about it with my mom and she would get really upset. Yeah, you know, um, dude. I feel. I feel like we're talking. Yeah, my mom was the same way. If she she'll like hang up on me if I just want to like kind of process something as I was going through my work and my therapy and my childhood and stuff like that, cognitive behavioral therapy type stuff. She just hang up the phone. I'm like, dude, let's talk about this. I like I, I forgive you, but let's let's have a talk. Yeah. So I can have this like your like, something. Yeah, you know, have your perspective as well. Like sure. what, what you're going through because now I'm just kind of trying to put the pieces together. Like, please help me understand this. Yeah, and you know, one of my ways of processing is joking yeah, i like i like yeah. to make i like to i like to laugh and i like to make people laugh so do you like ever, I, do you ever laugh at un, like because i know you just you just kind of did it you're like my mom got arrested and then you laughed because it's a it's a funny memory now yes and it never was to my mom and what's funny about but it some people would look like why is that like funny because i do i do the same thing i'll like say yeah my dad died and then they're like why did you just laugh about that it's like i just get really uncomfortable yeah or it's like i try to shed humor on something sure and it's really dark and sometimes strange for people to kind of comprehend. But, dude, I, I'm so guilty of doing that. Well, the reason it's so funny is because, <laughs> you know, and my mom, again, she never found it funny. But at some point in my life, I started laughing at it. Yeah. Because it's absurd. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't think people, I don't think people understand that sometimes when I laugh, I'm not laughing at tragedy and I'm not laughing at seriousness. I'm laughing because of how insane it is. Yes, you're exactly right. My my yes. uh 
you know, like, because <laughs> yes. get this. Okay, so we crash. And uh, one of my mom's best friends, who's a cop, like a detective, she comes up and she opens the door and I'm sitting in the seat of this crashed van and these neighbors or the, the, the owners of this house are outside and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's just, it's chaos. Yeah. And like, my mom is trying to smooth it over. You know, she's making every excuse in the book. She's like, oh, I was tired. Or, <laughs> right, right, right. And you but, remember this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, vi- very vividly. Yeah. And what's so funny about it is the detective comes up and she goes, were you wearing a seatbelt? And I looked at her and I was like, no. You know? Uh, yeah. And that's what got my mom arrested. Oh. So did you- my mom got arrested and I, I, I sailed her down the river. My mom got arrested because... I told the cop, I was like, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And at some point in my life, that became funny because I would try to make my mom laugh. I'd be like, Mom, remember that time I got you arrested? You know, and it would just be funny. So Did she find it? She didn't find it funny. Never. Though. Never. Ne- it would always, it would always, she felt really guilty about it. Did you ever feel bad for thinking that maybe you're the reason why she, I mean, like, did you ever like, did you ever internalize that? Like really take the blame for that? Not with that. You I mean, there are things with, you know, children where we, we think things are our fault. You know, for me, it was always being mistreated. If I was mistreated, I felt like it was my fault. Yeah, me too. You know? Yeah, at times. Um, yeah. My mom loved me way too much for me to even think for a second that she got arrested because of me. You know, and I would always laugh. Like, I, I tried to make those moments funny to her because my mom did eventually clean up, you know, way down the line. right. And she was really she that was a burden to her. So what I would do is I would I would try to make those moments funny. Yeah, I remember um which makes me think about like this absurd. I remember being at a sleepover at my girlfriend's house and there was like five of us girls. All the oh, basically the girls that we had on for the um for the squad goals last um, month. Oh yeah. <laughs> all my my hillbilly girlfriends from back home in Ohio and um I, we were all having a sleepover at my friend Julie's house and I took a pair of socks out of my mom's bag or something because I were I didn't have socks. So I just took a pair of socks that I found, took them to the sleepover. She calls my friend's house like at midnight, okay? Midnight. We I have her on like speakerphone because I'm thinking like, what's up? You know, we're in the middle, we're watching movies or whatever. And she is screaming bloody murder, breaking all my CDs, bashing my stereo with God knows what. Wow breaking my furniture, terrorizing my room and trashing my room because I took a pair of socks. Like I took a pair of socks and I, it didn't even phase me. And my girlfriend's like, holy shit, what's going on with your mom? Like what the heck? And they had, they had witnessed her doing these, like having these crazy behaviors over the years. And I just, it didn't even, I thought it was so crazy. I'm like, well, it just, She'll buy me a stereo next week when she's calm. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say. But that's like, your, that's that was your normal. But I would laugh about it. Yeah. And people would get so uncomfortable because I'm like, what? She just, she's having a bad day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That sounds pretty funny. Yeah. Right? I mean, not not like right? not like at the expense of like your feelings or her feelings. But at that but time, I imagining I was used a woman yelling and breaking things is funny to me. So and she, anyone she, breaking things. Well, is she funny wanted to me. she wanted me to get the socks back to the house. And over socks, nonetheless. And I didn't have my driver's license. I was yeah. 14, I think 13 or 14. She said, every minute that you're gone, I'm breaking one of your things. Like, that was Oof. basically what it was. So 
By the time How many I, minutes did you think you had? I didn't show up till the next day. But oh no, so everything was everything was pretty much demolished. Oh, no, but I mean I get to laugh about that now. Um, real quick, we have to uh, we'll take a quick break. Here's Micro Formulas Life Coach Sarah Fisk with the one thing you need to know. Hold up, here's one thing you need to know. Hi, this is Sarah Bybee Fisk, Life Coach with Microbe Formulas, with one thing you need to know about anxiety. Anxiety is the body's response to the perception of a threat or danger, and it's actually totally normal. Oftentimes what happens is when we have an anxious response to something, rather than just being with the anxiousness, we judge it, we tell ourselves it shouldn't be happening, we wonder why it's happening, and we go into this way of thinking that actually inadvertently increases the anxiety because we're telling ourselves it shouldn't be happening. This is terrible. This is not what should be happening to me. Why is this happening? I thought I had dealt with this. We go through all of these judgmental thoughts about the anxiety that actually make us feel worse. One of the things that we can do when we are in an anxious episode is to just talk to and be with ourselves as we would a small child. I know, I know you're feeling anxious. It's okay. I'm here. I'm going to be with you until this passes. It's okay. Nothing has gone wrong. Because that allows us to just be with ourselves in compassion rather than judging and criticizing and worrying about the anxiety, which just makes it worse. It's got you thinking, doesn't it? You're like, give me more. This is Intentionally Disruptive with Shauna McNeil. All right, so you, the the accident happened. You were five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then next thing I know, you know, we lost the house. Um, I don't really know where my mom went. I, I think she, I think she went to rehab and it was like court ordered. I, I don't I don't fully know. She was arrested after the accident. She was arrested. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, and then she got out. We lost the house, and I sort of jumped around to different households of people that I didn't know, right? And this went on for a few years, and there's really nothing. It, it's so funny, you know. I was I was telling my therapist about this. Um, that was like three years. Yeah. But it feels like five minutes. You know, it, it's it's almost like my brain doesn't remember. I don't know why. Maybe it's not significant enough to remember. I just remember living with people and life going on for a few years. So mm-hmm. it, it just seems like a very short period. But it was actually like three years, right? And then I go to live with my dad. You know, my dad comes back into the picture. And I would say that's where, you know, even even seeing my mom – you know, overdose and our accident and all the other stuff, my dad leaving. It was, it's funny because I feel like things really went downhill when I moved in with my dad. That's where things got bad. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because he, he's probably, his alcoholism probably ramped up at this point, right? Because you said it wasn't really bad when you were young, young, but it got worse. Yeah. Yeah. My dad drank a lot. Um, so again, you know, yeah. My mom was always there to sort of balance out the whole dynamic of you need to be strong, you're a man kind of thing. But now my mom wasn't there. So I had a lot of pressure put on me to be strong. And you already said that you're not wired that way. Like you are, Mm -hmm. you are, would you, I'll quote you, you're the least manliest person. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So this was tough. 
and it you know it it was like to the extent of him being so mad at me that abuse eventually came into the picture and I don't know I don't know if that's because I didn't meet his expectations you know we were talking a minute ago about blaming yourself yeah this is where I started to blame myself because I just couldn't understand it and you were a howlet at this time I was like eight years old okay yeah and you know well, your brother was your your brother and sister were they there with you? No, or, okay. They went to other people. Okay, gotcha. we were all split up. Okay. Oh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I just couldn't understand it. I was like, why, why do you hit me? Why do you degrade me? Why do you yell at me? You know, it was it was it was so weird. It like made no sense. I was like, I'm not. You know, I it's it's weird to be eight years old and reflect and be like, am I a bad person? Yeah. Like why, why is this person hitting me? You know, and uh, that carries that carries over into my adulthood. You know, I think I I I think that's where a lot of my issues come from is always feeling like a bad person. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. But um, so, yeah, that went on until I was like 13 and he had a he had a girlfriend at the time for that that period of time. And she was super abusive like maybe even more so than he was so like my I guess you'd say stepmom yeah I mean you you told a story a second ago about the whole socks yeah you know I have a similar story to that um I took a pencil out of their bedroom for school because I needed a pencil yeah and do you do you know what stinging nettle is what is it? Stinging nettle. Uh-uh. So it's a plant that when you touch it, it shoots needles into your skin. Oh, geez. Right? I, I, yeah, I don't know if anyone out there knows what that is. But um, because I took a pencil, she wrapped some in toilet paper and just beat me with it. So I took a pencil. Like, that. that's how ridiculous it was. It was like I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that like CPS at one point got involved and... Yeah. That was the worst because they would leave freaking notes on our door. You know, there's like no discretion. There isn't. And and I think that's because CPS was at my house quite a bit, too. And it was like my grandmother turning my mom in and all that stuff like that. That was like my my childhood as well. Like um, and I feel like I don't know. It's weird because when you're a kid, you don't want to be. I guess your situation would be a little bit different. But I could imagine not being with my mom, even though it felt it was terrible to live there. I couldn't imagine the alternative and that was again that anxiety like oh my gosh where am I where would I go like this is this is not that bad tell myself it's okay everything's gonna be okay you know and knowing damn well that it's gonna be another yeah terrible situation no there was there was it was prison yeah it was prison yeah you know like you know like I said at the age of eight like am I a bad person you know like I know this sounds crazy but you know I so some bit of information about me, um, you know, and I, I said it in my post that you read. Um, one of my biggest setbacks in my life is that I struggle from what's called suicidal ideation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and what that means for those of you who don't know is that I fantasize about killing myself a lot, mm-hmm. like every single day. And it's like it's like long drawn out fantasy. Like it's it's like. I imagine myself going to the store. I imagine myself buying a rope, like all this crazy stuff. And I sit there and I daydream about it and I can't help it. But do you do it now? Because I noticed like, because, you know, we had kind of sort of similar childhoods. I found like, I, the suicidal ideation was more took place when I was younger. 
I don't I don't deal with it so much now, but it was super severe yeah. when I was when I was a child. Mine, my first instance of it was when I was about 10. Okay. You know, and, yeah. and again, I know that sounds crazy. You're like, how could a 10 year old think about that? No, I, I completely, you know. just, you can't, yeah. you can't escape it. You're yeah. just like, it, it's like, it's just constant pain and you can't get away from it, you know? And you're just kind of like, what's my out? Like, how yeah. do I get out of this? Yeah. You know? So, and that also, you know, carried over into adulthood, like I said, so um, yeah, that, those were probably the hardest years of my life. You know, my, my dad was pretty rough, you know, and, uh, I've made peace with a lot of that now, but yeah, no, it, it's, I can, I can look at a lot of my behaviors and kind of attribute them to memories or certain things that happened. You know, that's something that therapy taught me is it taught me how to connect those dots. Self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was wild, you know, and then then I went back with my mom, which was like the Night greatest. Day. Yeah. It, it, it was it was like it was the greatest thing in the world. It, it you know, because my mom was my she she was my best friend. You know, yeah. she was my best friend. You know, there's she when she found ways to call me, she would just I don't know how to explain it. It was like getting lost in a book. You know, yeah. it was like I got away for a little bit. Yeah. You know, that five minute conversation just revitalized me and got me through all those years. You know, she would call me and she would encourage me and be like, I'm doing everything I can to get you out of there. And so that brings me to my next question, because my mom, I'm I, I'm close with her. We we've had our times where we don't talk for a long time because I will set boundaries and she couldn't accept those boundaries. Or she just wouldn't own up to it. She'd hang up on me and not allow me to discuss and break down things. Um, however, I love my mom so much. I mean, I would do anything for her. Um, and we are close today. But I also have been very angry with her. And did you ever find find that you were in that same position where, like, you know, the, the bad years with your with your with your dad and the stepmom? Did you ever go through a phase where you're just so f- angry with her for doing that or not or like yeah no i understand you see what i'm saying because I, I i struggle with that all the time i'm so f- mad at my mom because i i like you said the blame game blaming for how i am today like i'm i'm anxious i'm running around constantly always tr- feeling like i'm not good enough i think i think at certain points during living with my dad i blamed my mom mm-hmm. i was like how could you do this to me you know and i would I would yell at God. I'd be like, God, why, why, why did this happen? And then I like, oh, the only person I could blame was my mom, yeah. which is insane to yeah. think about now yeah. because now that I'm older, she was a human being. Yeah, she absolutely. was, yeah. she's a human being, you know, yeah. like she got addicted to a substance like anyone in this world can. Yeah. And she lost her way yep. like anyone else in the world can. So at the time, I think so. Yeah. I think I blamed her. I was angry with her. Like I said, I was angry with God. I was angry with myself. I was like, dude, I see all of these kids like having their basic needs met. Yeah. And why do I have to why do I have to go through this? Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's like why me? You know. So I went back with my mom when I was like 13 and I lived there for about a year. And then she relapsed. Um 
Because along alongside all of this, like I said, she had graduated to heroin when I was with my dad. She remarried. Um, that guy got her into heroin, and um, yeah, she relapsed. She so relapsed. The, so this was so the heroin didn't start till you were in your teenage years. No, the heroin started when I was like nine. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And I, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. No, it's, no, no, it's okay. I just want to kind make of sure. a, yeah. It, so like you went back with her. I went back with her when I was 13, and at that point, she was clean from heroin. Oh, she's clean. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I should back That's up. That's okay. And then you were with her for a year, and then she relapsed. She relapsed, yeah. and then my dad came to get me again, oh, which God. was probably, yo. How was he even allowed to, to see you after that? Well, there was no, there was, there was literally, there was no legal action taken against my dad. I mean, like I said, Nobody was CP, there fighting him. No, because right. CPS had gotten involved, but like I said, they would come and just leave a note on our freaking door. So what does that lead to? That leads to that leads to more abuse because he's like, okay, not only am I angry with you, but you're trying to ruin my life. That's yeah. how my dad viewed that. He's yeah. like, you're you are ruining my life by saying things. You know, and there's obvious gaslighting. Oh yeah. Oh, you that's know, the worst. I'm you know, so triggered by anything. Yeah. I hate I it. Totally get it. Yeah. You know, his girlfriend would say things like why are you even, we're not doing anything to you. What are you talking about? Or like, why would you, why would you say that? Or why would you talk to, why would you talk to your counselor at school? And I'm just like, there's literal f bruises on my body. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. System you know? failed you big time. Yeah. I can't, like, I can't, I could keep my mouth shut, but I can't help that. What are you going to do? Like put makeup on me? Like, I can't help the fact that there's obvious abuse happening. Like, I can't help that. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to school and like. People are concerned about my well-being. Adults are concerned for my well-being. So, yeah, I mean, like, CPS tried to step in, but what a joke. Right. What a joke. You know, they would come by when my dad was at work and his girlfriend was at work and just leave a note. Like, hey, call us when you get a moment. Like, kids have died because of that. Yeah. You know? So because yeah, because the school was concerned about you, you weren't calling them, but the school was calling them. Yeah. And then you would get more abuse because of the of how they. Yeah. Yeah. Like tenfold. Yeah. Tenfold. Yeah. You know, it's because like I you said, get the blame for it. Well, yeah. Like I'm being told that it's my fault. Uh -huh. I'm making it up. Yeah. Nothing is wrong. I live in a perfectly healthy house. Right. But then they would beat me because it's like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, or or at least like scream in my face or, you know, lock me out of the house or wh whatever the case might be. You know, there's just, there's so much to that. But I went to live with my mom, sorry. And at this point she was clean and uh, she relapsed. So my dad, this is where it gets wild. <laughs> my dad retired and moved to the Philippines, but he came back, right? He came back because my mom relapsed. So the reason I went to live with my mom is not, because my mom got me back, it's because my dad just didn't want me anymore. Oh. So he moved to, to the Philippines, Philippines, and then my mom relapsed, so my dad came back. And, uh, yeah, my dad was like, hey, man, we're moving to Alaska. I got this motor home. It's going to be great. And I weirdly felt hopeful that my dad and I, because his girlfriend was out of the picture at this yeah, point. Yeah, so it was just your dad. I was like, maybe we can, like, salvage this, you know? Like... Maybe I can actually have a relationship with my father, you know, because at first he was being super nice, right? But then I realized that his drinking had gotten really bad, really bad. So 
we're driving. We get to Utah to visit some of his family, and he just left. He just dipped out. Uh, he left you there. He left me in Utah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Dylan. So, uh, yeah, he went back to the Philippines, couldn't do it, decided he didn't want to take care of his kid, and... Yeah, we were on our way, and he just left. You know, we stopped by to visit some family, and then we were going to drive. And, yeah, that's the last time I ever saw him. So, Oh, you never saw him? He was never, out of your life? Never saw him again. So where, where did you go? Um, my brother lived in Boise. Okay. At the time, he was working in radio. I think you know who my brother is, Yeah, obviously. yeah. Well, yeah. He does. He does. He, the man you hear during our voice, like the voice work, like the little <laughs> thing that we have, the little snippets, like, intentionally disruptive. That is Jake. That is Dylan's brother. He does a great job. Yeah. So, like, my brother, my brother was working in radio, and I had 90 bucks, and I just got on a Greyhound bus, came here, and that was it. You know, like, that's, that's pretty much it. And I never... Never. I talked to my dad one time after that. And his has he passed? He's passed away. My dad passed away in 2011. Um, yeah, cirrhosis of the liver. He died in the Philippines. Uh, and yeah, our last talk didn't go well. You know, I I kind of laid into him a little bit, and, as you should. You and he laid he laid into me, and we were like, "Hey, we hate you. I hate you." And he died like shortly after so and i think you know this by now is like going into those conversations you don't do it for them you do it for yourself yeah and and you have to expect that their re reaction is not going to be what you want it to be right but you just get it off your chest and you at least i know like a lot of therapists say write a letter mm -hmm. don't just don't send it just write the letter but there's sometimes you're just so bottled up you want to scream at them and shake them and headbutt them and do all the all the things. And I know this is, this is a pretty sensitive subject for you. Um, you know, you just recently lost your mom. Yeah. And what year was that? I lost my mom in 2019. Yeah, so it was pretty. Yeah. It was very long ago. No, no. And that was, that was probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. So, yeah. How do you think, what are you doing now? Because, I mean, again, whenever, if I, if I'm, you know, want to be raw and open and it's, it's going to happen at work sometimes. Like you said, we're together all the time. You're always my go-to person. I know that you are, you have, you'll understand. Yeah. And you have put in so much work for your self-awareness and coping and, and doing those things. What, what advice do you have for people? And I'm curious too, like, what do you do? What do you do to, day to day to get through the tough times? Oh, you know, that's like, that's like one of those questions that's hard to answer just because so many processes in the brain don't make sense in words, you know, and like, or they're just things that you can't verbalize too well, you know, like, uh, uh yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hyper focus, you know, it's like, uh, what can I pull from this? And as cliche as it sounds like, what can I pull from this? Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's obviously situations that I haven't pulled from yet. You know, my, my mom dying was like, I, I have no words for it. You know, it's like the, the backbone, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, you have to apologize to me. The backbone of my stability and getting me through hard times is gone. So it's like, when times are tough now, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, how am I supposed to get by without her? Mm -hmm. 
because things were hard. You know, like I tried every method I could, you know, in my twenties, I, I drank a lot and I did drugs and like, you know, I partied and like, I, I did everything I could to try to like feel better. But like the only constant that was there was her always, you know, it's like from my childhood, from my childhood on, like I went through so many different, I went through so many different avenues of confusion and anger and pretty much every emotion that I'm capable of feeling. And she was always there to be like, Hey, it's okay. You're amazing. Like you got this, you know, I'm sorry that life has done this to you. I'm sorry that you, I'm sorry you slipped through the cracks, you know, and people didn't pay attention, but I pay attention. Mm -hmm. I love you and I'm sorry I failed you, but I'm right here. She's not there anymore. It's almost like you're, it's almost like you're some sort of balancing act in a circus and your whole life, the net is there in case you fall. And then one day they just decide to remove it because the show is on now. Yeah. Life started now. Like the net is gone. Like there's no, it's like life just begun. Mm -hmm. Like the training is done. I, I'm, I have to, I have to figure it out on my own. I'm on my own now, you know, and that's, that sucks. Yeah. You know, like, but going back, I'm sorry, but going back to your initial question, I try to pull from things, you know, like I got to a point where I fixed everything that I possibly could in my life and I still felt bad. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped smoking cigarettes. I stopped, I stopped caffeine. I stopped drinking caffeine like four years ago, anything that I could Mm -hmm. to isolate, you know, a process of elimination. Right. Yeah. And I still, at the end of it, felt crappy. So it's like, okay, now what can I do? And for me, a huge, a huge space for relief, um, and it's not for everyone, has been medication. Mm-hmm. Medication has been huge for me. I'm medicated. Uh, but, th- but that's only part of it, right? Like medication, therapy, effort. Yeah. Those are the three things for me that have worked. I need to... I am medicated to be open to change. I go to therapy to learn and discuss change. And then I apply the effort to implement change. You mentioned therapists and you know, you and I have been seeing their therapists for a long time. It's gotta be the right therapist. Yeah. So many people see terrible therapists. I've been there. Yes. I yeah. mean, all, yes. I mean like if you, yes, plural therapists and, and you have to find the right one. Like I found mine in Houston and I just can't let her go because it's like it took me so long to find her yeah. that no matter what we got to do, I like you're like you have to be my person. I've never found anybody like her ever. And but yeah, if you if you go to a therapist and you don't feel comfortable, you don't leave feeling something or it's time to time to go find another one. If you feel even more confused and you're triggered by your therapist, go find another one. There, there's good therapists out there. They just take a while. Yeah, it's like it's bad enough that you have to spend money to get help. Right. But. Yeah. If you're going to spend money, money, it's not cheap. No, it's not. You know, if you're going to spend money, at least talk to someone you trust and tolerate. Right. Yeah. I agree with you 100 percent. Like that's 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 some good advice. One of my um, one of my favorite things about having discussions with you 
if you don't mind, what's your mom's first name? Marla. Marla. You you do this often, and I love it so much because your face lights up every time you, you talk about her. Um, what's like the best? You always quote her yeah. in conversation. Yeah, I've had people she, tell me that. You did, and it's so it's the cutest thing, but it's also one of the things that I get out of our conversations. What was the like? What's the best one liner for you that your mom like her advice? So this is crazy, but yeah, and you're right. Sometimes I sound like the water boy. Mama say no. it. Mama say it. No, you don't sound like that. <laughs> Mama say- <laughs> you're shedding humor on it now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, I I vocalize my mom's words because that's the only way she can still like live on. Li- right, like yeah. her, and, and it also it helps me listen to my words, or it helps me listen to my voice, her words. And it almost helps me cope when I talk about her. You know, it's almost like she's giving me advice in that moment. So if I'm giving someone else advice, if they ask for it, because nothing's worse than getting advice when you don't ask for it. I hate it. But uh, I'll typically relay something my mom said because I in that moment need it too. You know, so she's helping two people at once. So uh, my mom over the years had said, so much she's so so impactful and so inspiring and so the last the last conversation we had uh we 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 had a conversation two days before she passed um she was in the hospital she had a heart attack she was super mad at me (laughs) and i was like what's the matter with you she's like it just bothers me that my son isn't doing what he loves Uh I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you make films, you write music. Why aren't you doing that? Why? I'm like, I don't know, mom, because I can't. Like, I'm, I'm making a good living doing what I'm doing now. She goes, okay, well, promise me this. If opportunity ever comes knocking, you're going to open the door, right? I'm like, yeah, mom, okay. So she passed. And I went to Reno where she lived and uh, brutal week, you know, there's like all the arrangements and stuff. The day after I came back, uh, one of my friends at the time knocked on the door and offered me a job at Micro Formulas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, In media, which is something that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to make films like films have been, you know, we talk about. Uh, like if there's avenues or forms of expression or ways to get away movies have been that for me yeah music has been that for me and a lot of people and ever since i was little i always wanted to make films it's been something that i'm so good at it oh shoot thank you you. are so i know you're looking away again (laughs) you're looking away look down but you know i don't good you're so talented i don't know if it's divine intervention i don't know what it is but the timing was really weird so I left my job of like six years. I had a pretty established career there and I took a chance because I promised her that I would. And here you are. Yep. So uh, your question was, what are the best one-liners? What are the best one-liners? Or the best one-liner? Yeah. I think, I mean, again, the cliche, if opportunity comes to knock and open the door. (laughs) But like for me, it sort of just taught me like, it's okay to take chances. It's okay to believe in yourself. It's okay to love yourself. It's okay to try, you know, and this might blow up in my face. I don't know. Yeah. 
but I'm like a year and a half in with this company and I'm doing okay for, you know, I'm doing all right. And you're doing awesome. And, uh, so even after death, she's, she still changed my life, you know, to this day. I love it. You know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just us, I mean, look how we started out this episode today. Yeah. I mean, I was in, I've been in, I've been a mess. I have been a mess today. Sure. And now that we're getting ready to wrap this up, it's like, I feel because we had that connection. We've had this conversation. We've broke things down a little bit and, sure. and reminded ourselves of where we come from and, and what we are. We accept each other for who we are and accept ourselves for who we are. It's like, this is, this is what this podcast is all about, you know, is just making sure people feel connected and feel not alone and hopefully take something from it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like Shonda said, um, you know, we, we defined or she defined anxiety. Um, I, I, you know, that does look different for a lot of people, but the constant is, oh my gosh, there, there's help out there. There's always help. There's always help. Like therapy has been so huge. Meditation has been so huge. Diet has been so huge. Um, you know, I, I had a rough week last week. Like it was a really bad week for me. Um, Thursday went and got a massage Friday. I tried an isolation chamber for the first time. Was it incredible? It, it, it changed my life. I am not, I'm not just I'd be saying anxious getting in one. I was, I was having a oh. panic attack oh. for the first 15 <laughs> panic minutes. Attacks. Yeah, no, but once I, to do with it. once I eased into it though, it's like you disconnect from all senses. Cause I think, I think a lot like animals for people, anxiety stems from overstimulation, right? And if we can disconnect that stimulation, whether it be sight, sound, touch, smell, things can be overwhelming and that all stacks up. Oh yeah. Which eventually leads to people tipping over and freaking out. Yeah. If you can like get if you can disconnect for a little while and be present in the moment and almost look as like invasive thoughts are clouds, right? And they're gonna pass by and it's okay. But be present, that's great. So isolation chamber was amazing. But in addition to that, Saturday I drove up to the mountains by myself with a camera the freezing cold snow. And I just went and took video of like trees and like, I went and video recorded, like filmed anything that I thought would remind me of beauty. I was like, man, that's a dope pine cone right there. Yeah. <laughs> or wow, that's a cool tree or wow. Look at that river. I bet it, just, it was so peaceful. It, it really, was... it really was. And, um, it was, it was, be it was wonderful because it, it was, it was like, my work always has purpose and my film, my filming, my editing, my audio engineering, it always has purpose. This didn't. And I think that was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful to do something just to do it and not have to take it anywhere other than that. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, especially with anxiety, like what you just said, like the chamber, I instantly had anxiety thinking about that. Sure. <laughs> Leaving my family and knowing all the things I have to do for being a mom and being a wife and being a full-time employee, hosting a pot, all these things going on. The thought of driving to, to up to in the woods by myself to take that time for myself gives me anxiety, you know, but you just said it, just go, just do it. And like, once you get over that initial like hump of all the, the, the butterflies and the feelings of the what ifs, it's 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 beautiful. Like you, the peace and the calmness that you totally. that, that just completely takes over your body. That's what it's all about. Like just get over the hump. Well, think about this. Get over it. You you just said it perfectly, right? Like if you are afraid of everything, uh huh. Do everything. Yep. And then at some point, what is there to be afraid of? 
You're exactly right. If you're like, I'm afraid of everything in the world, do everything in the world, and at some point, man. Yes. And also... Some people, a lot of people don't get that. Like, no. Like, I'm terrified of flying. Fly. Guess who starts uh, their pilot school in April? This girl. Yo, I'm going to pilot school too. There we go. No, seriously. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And nobody, I've, I've, every person I've told this to refuses to get in a plane with me. I'll get in a plane with you. <laughs> okay. I'll get in a plane with you. We'll freaking do it. But, you know, another thing is, is like uh, is something else, you know, I hear you talk and man, do we suffer from assumptions? Oh my gosh, all the time. Something, something that's been beneficial for me, guys, is uh, inject three other outcomes on top of the one that you jump to automatically, right? So let's say that Shonda is going to go to flight school and she's like, Dylan, hop in this plane with me. You know, my brain is like, we're going to crash and burn. <laughs> but then like, I'm also going to inject other outcomes into my head. Like, no, there's going to be a professional there while we learn or while she learns and we're stealing it. We're fine. <laughs> You know, or we're going to laugh, we're going to have a good time, or I'm going to see birds in the sky. There's like a million things that I can also inject into my understanding, aside from the thing that I'm jumping to from the get-go. Yeah. So I just want to make that a point, too, is assumptions are huge. And I want, you know, for me personally, what's helped me a lot in my journey is um, trying to have more than one outcome in my thinking. Um, you know, reminding yourself of the things that your big picture you know, my big picture in life is I want to be a filmmaker. My big picture in life is that I want to um, have a deep, intense connection with those around me. And yeah. I eventually want to build a world where I don't feel like an outcast. Yeah. You know, I want to build my world. And, um, I, you know, sometimes I slip up. You know, sometimes I feel alone. We're human. It's I just want to make sure that I, I succeed and that, you know, because... I'm going to get the chance to die someday. Everyone does. Yeah. You know, but I, if, I don't want there's a pill that I, I could take right now today, I would take it to live forever. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I've, I've had I've had a doctor like break that down and they're like, oh, well, you're never going to be happy in your life if you feel that way. Well, OK. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Well, that's another therapy session. But all right. But uh, reminding yourself of your big picture, you know, what what is what is your intention in life? Um my intention is literally just love for myself and love for others. You know, Dave said that a lot of my downfalls are my superpower. Yeah. And sometimes superpowers can overcome you. Uh-huh. But Your kryptonite. if you can learn to harness the things that you feel worst about, wow, you can do some good in the world. You really can. Yeah, absolutely. So anyone that's listening with anxiety, I just want to remind you that, A, you have help at all times. There's always help. There's always a friend. There's always a stranger. There's always therapy. Just take the step and talk to someone. Um, also, take a look at your life and switch it up. Change things up. Maybe that won't work, and that's okay. And maybe you might end up like me where I'm on medication. You know, like I, I, I was do, on medication for a long time. I take medication. Yeah. And for me, it hasn't been a cure-all, but it's, it's opened my heart up to yeah, change in absolutely. a lot of ways. So for me, medication, therapy, diet, and like we said, like we talked about, Shonda, um, doing all the things you're afraid of so that maybe at some point in life there's nothing left to fear. Yeah. And I'm, that's, that's my mission right there. There it is. It is one day. My, my goal, my number one goal in life is happiness. That's all I want. You'll get there. I, I think I'm there. I think you're there. I'm there. But I, I, I want to I I maintain it. You're jolly. I want to maintain it. <laughs> <laughs> Am I jolly or is the anxiety jolly? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, uh, <laughs> 
This is the happiest I've been in my life. Well, Absolutely. You, you have a lot. To, I don't know. I, I have a lot to be grateful for. You you have a lot of great things that I um, do. I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get. I can't wait to have a son that plays basketball. And <laughs> I, love, I love how you added the twang in there. Like that's just something. Well, that's how your husband talks. So, <laughs> yeah. It, you know what's you know what sucks is like. Have you ever met? Sorry, random off thing. But have you ever met someone that like changes their accent around those with accents? Oh, and we do. My husband and I both do. When we're back home in Ohio, Southern Ohio, we both do it. Dog, I talk to your husband like that all the freaking time. <laughs> I'm like, Dave, how the heck you doing, man? You know and. I feel like at some point he's going to be like, all right, you're making fun of me. That's enough. <laughs> uh, speaking of Dave, coming up next week is episode number two of the No Perfect People Allowed series. My husband, Dave, will be joining the podcast to share his story dealing with depression. The episode is called Nothing Man, which I think it's a Pearl Jam song. Yeah, Pearl Jam. No, it, it is Pearl Jam. It is Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. That's next week on Intentionally Disruptive. Intentionally Disruptive is presented by Microbe Formulas. Visit us at microbeformulas.com.